Okay, spoiler alert, ADHD seems to be some level of sympathetic arousal. If you'd like to play a little game with me, keep listening. Otherwise, you've pretty much got your answer. My name is Justin Sinceri. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and your fellow trauma nerd helping you understand and apply the science of connection to daily life. Welcome to episode 48 of the Polyvagal Podcast. Once again, it is just me. Mercedes and I just did a live stream on Instagram and she was coughing the whole time. So you are once again stuck with me. Sorry. If you're one of the super fans, stick around. After the main topic, I've got an announcement about LinkedIn. And I also have a short letter from one of your fellow superfans. But before we get into things, put yourself first. We keep every episode as safe as you can, but just by the nature of the topics, you might experience some of your own stuff come up. So please take a break if you need to. And also disclaimer, we're talking about ADHD. This information is not meant to diagnose. I know we kind of naturally go there when we hear this stuff. We apply it to ourselves, of course, but this is not meant to diagnose. If you feel like you may have or may be experiencing symptoms of ADHD, consult with a mental health or medical professional. I am speaking in generalities. Your specific situation, diagnosis, treatment, and medication are entirely between you and your provider. So I told you that there is a game, and this is the game, real simple. As you're listening to these criteria for ADHD, ask yourself, is it more flight or fight sympathetic activation, or could it be both? Could it actually be both? Not necessarily at the same time, but could it be either flight or fight, or is it one or the other? And so as we go through each one, just keep that in mind. We are looking at ADHD in comparison to the polyvagal theory. We talked about depression. We talked about bipolar disorder. We talked about generalized anxiety disorder, and we talked about PTSD. I think this is number five, then ADHD. And these are the uh, DSM criteria. People with ADHD show a persistent pattern of inattention and or hyperactivity, impulsivity, that interferes with functioning or development. So we're going to break this down into one, inattention, and two, hyperactivity and impulsivity. Number one, inattention. Six or more symptoms of inattention for children up to age 16 years or five or more for adolescents age 17 years and older and adults. Symptoms of inattention have been present for at least six months and they are inappropriate for a developmental level. So basically we're looking at symptoms of inattention and it's specific per age group, but symptoms of inattention. And these symptoms are often fails to give close attention to details or makes careless mistakes in schoolwork, at work, or with other activities. So is this more of a flight sympathetic, or is this more of a fight sympathetic? Where, like, Which of those two could better explain the two, or which of those two could better explain this first symptom of an attention, or could both of them? And I'll also throw in that this someone in shutdown would probably also often fail to give close attention to details or make careless mistakes in schoolwork, at work, or other activities. So I can see that being sympathetic or shut down. The second piece here is often has trouble holding attention on tasks or play activities. And again, that could be shut down or sympathetic, I guess. But what level of sympathetic flight or fight or either? The third part here is often does not seem to listen when spoken to directly. And wow, actually, you know, I said this was sympathetic, but <laughs> as I'm reading this, I'm realizing that that's, that could be shut down also, right? Someone in shutdown is pretty checked out. And I'm thinking about teachers that talk to their students and the student doesn't always respond. It's not because they're ignoring them, it's because they're not quite hearing them. But same thing for sympathetic. Our, our hearing changes when we're in a sympathetic arousal. 
so often does not seem to listen when spoken to directly. Yeah, I, I, I could see that being either. The fourth piece here is often does not follow through on instructions and fails to finish schoolwork, chores, or duties in the workplace. Loses focus or sidetracked. And this is, again, sympathetic, but I guess it could also be shutdown. Someone in shutdown, I could easily see doing the same thing. Uh, but same thing, someone who's in more of a flight fight place, I could see that as well. But which one would it be? More flight, more fight, or could it be either? The next piece, it says, often has trouble organizing tasks and activities. So is that flight sympathetic or fight sympathetic? Next part, often avoids, dislikes, or is reluctant to do tasks. And again, someone who often has trouble organizing tasks and activities, I can see that as someone who's in more of a shutdown place as well. The next piece says, often avoids, dislikes, or is reluctant to do tasks that require mental effort over a long period of time. And again, shutdown or sympathetic. I can see this kind of being both. But if it's in sympathetic, it would be more of a flight or a fight at sympathetic or either of them. Often loses things necessary for tasks and activities, like school materials, pencils, books, tools, wallets, keys, paperwork, eyeglasses, or phones. I can, again, see this being sympathetic, flight fight, or shutdown. I could easily see this that specific behavior being true for all of them. But for you with our little game here, is that flight sympathetic or fight sympathetic that often loses things necessary for tasks and activities? Or could it be either of those? The last two are is often easily distracted and is often forgetful in daily activities. And again, I, you could probably make the case that it's either of those. But I think the differentiation here, the big piece that's different is someone who's in more of a sympathetic place looks like someone who has ADHD. And in my opinion, that's kind of what's underneath someone who has ADHD. Is that it's more of a flight fight activation. Someone who's in more of a shutdown place, even though it could technically meet these criteria, there's with ADHD, there's more of an energy to it. It's it's not a checked out, shutdown kind of thing. There's typically more of an energy to it or a distractibility. Uh, like the last, the second to last one says is often easily distracted. I think with ADHD, there's more of that level of energy and distraction uh, that and not a checked out sort of shut down, dissociative kind of thing. So those were the symptoms of inattention. And just that alone could be, I mean, a lot of those look like shutdown, but I think it's more of sympathetic. But let's review real quick the polyvagal ladder. We climb up the polyvagal ladder and then down. We could also climb down and then back up. The polyvagal ladder at the top is our safe and social state. Below that is the flight, fight, sympathetic arousal. And below that is shutdown, which is a collapsed possibly dissociative kind of thing. So that's the latter is the hierarchy of evolutionary autonomic states. At the top is safe and social, middle sympathetic, and bottom is shutdown. If we can't be in our safe and social state, we climb down the ladder into sympathetic arousal. And if we can't fight, if we can't run away and we can't fight, we drop down even further into our shutdown place. One of the key pieces of the polyvagal ladder is that when we drop down, we're actually losing access to the things higher up the ladder. If we drop all the way down and shut down, we don't have access to the flight fight energy. And if we're in a flight fight energy, we don't have access to the skills at the high, at the top of the ladder, like the higher cognitive functioning that's required for learning 
and focusing and directing attention and weighing pros and cons and getting along with others, problem solving, doing group work, all that stuff kind of gets lost when you're in more of a flight fight place. The other thing with the polyvagal ladder is that the, the pieces down the ladder can combine with the safe and social state and become something different. So when we're in a shutdown place combined with safety, that equals stillness or relaxation or meditation or sleep. It's just the ability to be still but be safe. And when we're in our flight by energy plus safety, that is a play. But also when we combine flight fight plus shutdown, that's freeze. That's something different though. So when we look at these inattention behaviors, the symptoms of an inattention, what we're seeing is that the cognitive functions are compromised, and this could be true with either sympathetic or shutdown. I think with ADHD, there's always, there seems to be some level of energy to it, and that the inattentive piece is not due to being in a shutdown place, but is due to being more of a sympathetic flight fight place. The next piece of ADHD is the hyperactivity or impulsivity. Same thing as before, we need six or more symptoms of hyperactivity and impulsivity for children up to age 16 years, or five or more for adolescents age 17 years and older, and adults. Symptoms of hyperactivity and impulsivity have been present for at least six months to an extent that it is disruptive and inappropriate for the person's developmental level. So same thing, let's look at the symptoms of hyperactivity and impulsivity and ask ourselves, is this more of a flight sympathetic energy or fight sympathetic energy? And now we'll look at, well, is this shutdown at all? And the first piece is often fidgets with or taps hands or feet or squirms in seat. So right off the bat, there's a, there's a certain level of energy there, right? So that's obviously some level of sympathetic arousal. When someone's in more of a shutdown place, there's more of a lack of energy where they're really kind of like out of the present moment. They're gone. Uh, and when I when I work with kids that are in more of a shutdown place, there's a severe lack of energy. Now, when that energy comes back, that is very noticeable. But that's now if they're coming from shutdown into sympathetic arousal, so the energy comes back. So number one was often fidgets with or taps hands or feet. And yeah, the, the, that fidgetiness, that, there's a level of energy there, but is it more flight or is it more fight uh, sympathetic? Second part says often leaves seat in situations when remaining seat seated is expected. Uh, so again, we have some level of sympathetic arousal here. Is it more flight or is it more fight or could it be either? Third piece often runs about or climbs in situations where it is not appropriate. Again, a lot of sympathetic or enough sympathetic energy here to where it's not appropriate for the situation. And the body just sort of seems to need to move around. Fourth piece, often unable to play or take part in leisure activities quietly. Same kind of thing. We, we, I've talked about on the podcast before that play is the combination of being in your flight by energy, but also having access to your safe and social state. So in this symptom of hyperactivity impulsivity, we see there is some level of sympathetic activation. There is some flight fight activation without access to the safe and social state. There's not that combination. So it's not play. It becomes something else. For it to be play, you have to have access to your safe and social state. And part of play is following the rules. So if, if the rule of the situation is that you, you're playing or taking part in leisure activities quietly, if you're in your safe and social state enough, you'll be able to follow the rules while still having fun. 
But if you don't have access to your safe and social state, you're probably more inclined to be too loud for the situation. Next piece is often on the go, acting as if driven by a motor. Yeah, so that obviously sounds like sympathetic arousal, right? Is it more flight? Is it more fight? Could it be either? Next part, often talks excessively. So too much talking, using too many words, rambling. And of course, this again sounds like a high level of sympathetic arousal, right? And I, I, I notice with people who are in more of an anxious, especially like an anxious kind of place, that they seem to do a lot of rambling, a lot of talking, and don't really have that calmness inside of them to sort of just be in a conversation. They kind of just keep going. So with this one, this symptom of hyperactivity, impulsivity, is this more flight energy, more fight energy, or could it be either? Next part, often blurts out an answer before a question has been completed. This shows some level of impatience. This shows some level of, uh, again, excitement or energy, right? Is it more flight? Is it more fight? Could it be either? And then often has trouble waiting their turn. Again, I mean, this, this seems pretty redundant and obvious, but is it more flight energy? or more fight energy, or it could be either. And the last one says, often interrupts or intrudes on others, like you know, butting into conversations or games. So again, if, especially when it comes to games, that there's, uh, if without the safe and social state, the social engagement system active, following the rules and knowing when to come into a game is gonna be compromised. That ability is compromised to be able to hold on to the rules of the game while being into your flight fight state. So being safe enough to know the rules and follow them and control the body enough to do so. So this this person who's interrupting the game or intruding on others, like their conversations, they're more sympathetically active and they've lost access to their ability to attune to or be aware of the norms of the situation or the rules of the situation, even social rules. So I would say when it comes to the hyperactivity, impulsivity, it seems like it's pretty darn clear there's there's at least some level, a low, maybe moderate, or I guess even more, maybe I, I won't put a limit on it, but there's some level of sympathetic activation, right? But without the mindfulness of what the body needs, like the, the mindfulness of what is like going on inside, how to discharge the energy or how to use the energy appropriately or how to contain it, like how to hold it and really mindfully be aware of it, but also contain it and sit with it, even for a moment, that that's not quite there. It's just sympathetic activation on some level without the mindfulness that's absolutely necessary uh, or the the bagel break necessary to be able to keep that in check. When when we just move around, like movement without mindfulness is kind of just movement. Nothing actually changes or gets released. So like when you, if you have more of a sympathetic charge and you go to the gym, like that might help and you might feel some of that stuff burn off maybe, but you also, if if you can attach your mindfulness and really be aware of it or during a jog or a walk or whatever it is, if you can be very aware like and really kind of tune into some of the, what the movements feel like, what does it feel like to have your feet in the shoes, on the ground or on the treadmill or to pull yourself up. Uh, like, what does that feel in your biceps? Like, if you can really notice and really be with those sensations, those feelings, and then the energy can kind of start to discharge. But if you're just moving around, that might not be super helpful. And I think that's what we see with ADHD is that there's a lot of movement, but no 
mindfulness. There's no awareness. There's no ability to sit with the the feelings, to sit with the the amount of energy that's kind of maybe stuck within. Fidgets can be can be super helpful with this stuff. And I wrote a blog about fidgets. You can find that on justinlmft.com. I'll put a link in the description. So potentially, even in classrooms, and I I know darn well during meetings, fidgets can be super helpful. But you have to have some level of mindfulness along with it. So I can sit there and play with a pen or roll a ball, you know, back and forth on a desk during a meeting, which I've done, asked Mercedes, it drove her nuts. So I can do that, you know, back and forth, right? But if I can mindfully attune to what it feels like to roll a ball, or what it sounds like, if it's making a little noise, or what it looks like, or what it feels like in my hand when I, you know, hit it, or what it feels like when I hand when I squeeze it. If I can really be in the moment of what that experience is like, then it's a different experience. And now I'm now I'm in the present moment. I'm in my body and I'm fully aware of what it's doing or aware enough. And that's a heck of a lot different than just sort of being anxious and moving around or fidgeting with a pen or with a ball or whatever it is. It's a lot different. Now the fidget is gonna be really important when it comes to that person figuring out is it more of a fight energy or a flight energy? Because the fidget they choose is gonna is gonna really kind of speak to the sense, to the place that they're in. So I know when I'm in more of a fight place, the fidgets that I choose involve my upper uh, body muscles like my chest, my shoulders, my biceps. I'm gonna want to pull on things. I'm gonna want to push on things. And that's a lot different than when I'm in more of like a flight place where I want to use my my fingers to like process a Rubik's cube or an like an infinity cube. And again, I have uh, an article on this that talks about these things. And I noticed that with my clients also that when they fidget with something, it really kind of matches the state that they're in. And especially like when they're processing and they're in this like anxious sort of energy, their fingers are going crazy and I can see them like processing the Rubik's Cube as they're processing what they're talking to me about. So it's like they're thinking, but also doing at the same time. So fidgets can be really indicative of kind of where you're at on your own polyvagal ladder. And if you can be mindful of that enough and then bring the awareness of the fidgetiness and really experience it, that's when things can can start to shift. So typically I've worked with high schoolers. Recently I've been assigned to a school where there's a K to eight basically. So I have more of a range of kids I'm seeing again. I used to see kids way back when, but uh, like little kids. So now I have a, a larger range. And in my little therapy office slash storage room, <laughs> it's a storage room that I've converted a section into therapy office. But in that little space... Uh, I have a chair and I put this like, it seems like an unbreakable rubber band and I put it on the chair in the room. And when the kids come in, I say, Hey, this is what I have for you. Like I kind of take charge in a way or I, or I normalize and I say, before they even start grabbing stuff and kicking the band, I'll say, Hey, this is here. This is what it's for. And I encourage them to experiment and try it out and be you know curious about it. So there's this leg thing. It's like this big, thick rubber band that goes around the legs of the chair. And they can kick it. They can pull on it. They can stomp on it, whatever they want to do. So I have that. I have fidget toys. But I'm not teaching them exactly about these things. I kind of, if I feel like they're ready for it, I will. But it's more like I'm leading their attention to it. So as they're doing these things, or even before, but like with the with the fidget you know, leg rubber band thing, when as they're fidgeting with it with their legs, I'll bring their attention to it. Like there was a session recently where I had... The kid, you know, he was bouncing his legs on it, like really going at it. I mean, just tons of energy coming out. And kids are fantastic with their ability to just move. It's, it's pretty neat. We're, you know, versus the high schoolers who were too cool for it. So as he's doing it, 
I said to him like, wow, it looks like you're running. And it was, it was very, very fitting. And so I brought his attention to it, to what his legs were doing and the way they were moving. And I took him a step further and I said, you know, once, once I knew he was able to do so and to like notice his sensations and really kind of own it and go faster, I said like, where are you going? So now it's bringing his imagination to the movement and setting a destination in mind. So now it's not just the movement, but it's also he's he's imagining. And I said, like, what you know, where do you want to go? And he, he imagined a safe place where his family had been and had a really good memory of. And we, so we talked about the memory now. So now he's moving. Plus, we're talking about the memory of where he's going, which is like a safety resource. And he's so he's 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 moving. He's noticing the movement. And on top of that, he's able to have a safety resource in mind. And you, you could see in session how the movement changed we would think of different uh, places he was going because as the movement changed, I'd say, oh, like something shifted. I'd point it out and I'd say, now where are you going? And so things kept shifting. And by the end of the session, he was able to sit a lot calmer. And this is a kid who, like, if you, you could look at him and say, well, that's ADHD. But by the end of the session, he was way calmer, but it was because of the mindfulness along with the movement and along with, on top of that, the safety resource plus my co-regulation. So all these things were coming together and really helping him actually get some energy out, at least in session. And so the trick now is to continue to do so and build his capacity to uh, to notice his inner sensations and how to release it as well. Before we continue with the other components of the diagnosis, let me ask you, is it so far, it sounds like I don't think shutdown quite fits. It could have fit the inattentive piece, but with ADHD, again, there's there's usually some level of energy to it. Um, I've never seen someone diagnosed with ADHD that ADHD that didn't have some level of like sympathetic charge to it. I, that I would I would call that. Um, I haven't seen that personally. So I, I do think ADHD has more of that sympathetic flight fight energy underneath it. But is it more flight? Is it more fight? Or could it be either? And in my opinion, it could be either. I think any of those any of those uh, symptoms could easily come from flight or fight, not one or the other. I think they pretty much could come from either. So the rest of the diagnosis says, in addition, the following conditions must be met. Several inattentive or hyperactive impulsive symptoms were present before age 12. Several symptoms are present in two or more settings, such as at home, school or work, friends, relatives, and in other activities. Now I have to ask a question here. Why wouldn't ADHD be present in all these settings, right? Like a broken arm is broken anywhere you go, right? Diabetes is diabetes anywhere you go, right? I mean, as far as I know, I'm not an expert on diabetes, but you wouldn't go somewhere and say, huh, it's it's like you don't have to worry about this stuff anymore. We don't have to do the insulin stuff anymore. We don't, like, it's cured. We, in, the, in this setting, it's not an issue, right? Like, that that wouldn't make sense, right? But with ADHD, I think we all widely recognize in, in the diagnosis, it says present in two or more settings as if it's not present in other settings. But why? Why wouldn't it be present in other settings? And my answer to that is because of cues of safety and or opportunities for energy discharge with mindfulness. If you can do that, it's that doesn't look like ADHD anymore. If you if uh, and this is what I found in doing therapy with kids who have been diagnosed with ADHD, and I saw this consistently is that when they're with me, all of a sudden they didn't really have or didn't show those symptoms of ADHD anymore or they went away pretty darn quickly because they felt safe or because now they have an energy discharge or now they have really good co-regulation happening. I saw that like again and again and again that for some reason this this is an issue in school or at home, 
but not in the therapy session or not when we go to the park or not in the gymnasium during uh, gym practice. For some reason, like these behaviors are not a problem in karate class. Like, well, why not? My answer is it's cues of safety that where these behaviors are not a problem is where the child, I say, I guess anybody is where the person with ADHD feels the most safe. That's probably due to co-regulation. That's probably due to uh, actual safe environments. That's actually, it might be due to uh, opportunities to discharge energy with mindfulness. That if, if these things are going on, it probably won't look like ADHD anymore, or at least in that setting. The next part of this is there's clear evidence that the symptoms interfere with or reduce the quality of social, school, or work functioning. And finally, for this section, the symptoms are not better explained by another mental disorder, such as mood disorder, anxiety disorder, dissociative disorder, or a personality disorder. ADHD is similar to the bipolar disorder in that there's really no explanation of why these behaviors are happening, which is different than PTSD, which has a direct connection to the past event or events. It's kind of like they're assuming that these behaviors sort of just exist on their own for some reason, like the behaviors are simply happening. But this, these behaviors can come from different paths, and we already talked a little bit, at least in the inattentive part, about shutdown. And we also talked you know, a lot about the sympathetic state, whether it be flight sympathetic or fight sympathetic. These behaviors can come from different paths. And the DSM sort of addresses this by saying that these symptoms are not better explained by another disorder. But it doesn't address the autonomic nervous state, of course, and the different paths that it could take just through uh, being in a flight fight or shutdown. And so personally, when I work with kids, and I'll keep going back to kids, just because that's my um, expertise, I guess, I always found a better diagnosis or a better explanation. ADHD, in all honesty, was something I maybe diagnosed a couple times, and I'm talking about years worth of seeing kids, that I I could see why someone would would diagnose ADHD. But I was always like, but why? Why are they acting like this? Why are these behaviors there? Why only in certain situations? And that was always my goal of figuring out, okay, but why? And once I figured out the why of it, Another explanation, another diagnosis always just seemed to fit better for me. So I rarely, if ever, diagnosed ADHD. And again, I always saw the behaviors improve in session, like consistently, or even with very simple interventions, with with some new parental co-regulation happening, uh, adding structure or changing structure in the home, basic therapy skills, like just doing basic co-regulation kind of things, parental co-regulation these things were, I always found, extremely helpful in only in really in rare and very severe home life circumstances that really lacked co-regulation or had a lot of other stuff going on or some huge trauma pieces, did things not get better. But that, was, uh, that wasn't like an ADHD, ADHD thing we were treating. There was a lot. I mean, we, the diagnosis was there, but they also had other stuff going on. And the very last piece is that based on these Based on the types of symptoms, three kinds or presentations of ADHD can occur. The first one is combined presentation. If enough symptoms of both criteria and attention and hyperactivity and impulsivity were present for the past six months. So that would be combined where you got both of those groupings. Or the predominantly inattentive presentation. If enough symptoms of inattention but not hyperactivity and impulsivity were present for the past six months. Now I wonder if it's just the inattentive presentation could that be more of a shutdown thing? And I think so, but 
I don't know if I've ever really seen just the shutdown be called ADHD. I, didn't, I don't think it quite fits. And the last thing here with the three kinds of presentations is predominantly hyperactive impulsive presentation. If enough symptoms of hyperactivity, impulsivity, but not inattent, but not inattention were present for the past six months. And that does seem definitely to be that sympathetic flight fight sort of arousal. Okay, I have one announcement, and that is that I am now on LinkedIn. On Instagram, I have a mixture of followers of therapeers and people who are learning or wanting to learn about trauma or about mental health and just sort of seeking their own uh, self-improvement and finding my uh, content to be an avenue for them, which is fantastic. On LinkedIn, my goal is to connect with, and I mean, anyone's welcome to follow me or, or join in over there, but my goal is to really connect with my therapeers specifically. And so far, I'm sharing some process kind of stuff. Um, my goal is to do, I mean, processes like creation, content creation, to share my process of these things, the behind the scenes things, in case someone else might benefit from it, who's also doing content creation as a therapist, I guess that's specifically, or a coach or in this, the wellness uh, sphere who are doing content creation that are finding what I'm doing valuable or interesting and want to learn from it. I want to share a lot of that process. But also the business side of things, uh, as I get deeper into that, I want to share some more of that, the marketing stuff. I want to share more of that, the social media stuff, really kind of sharing my process, sharing my thoughts and what's working and not working. Um, I have no problem sharing those things. So that's that's a so far, LinkedIn is going to be a really good place to find that. And I'm doing a lot of vlogging there, which is like so far, daily videos have been a few days. <laughs> I don't know how long I'll keep that up. But right now, the target is for therapeers. Uh, and especially local therapists, so people from Central Valley, California, I really want to kind of connect with them um, and, and make my, my presence more known locally of who I am, what I'm doing, and uh, some of my goals. I have a message from one of your fellow superfans. This one is from Ellie. She says, hey, Justin, I have been following your podcast for the last few months. And what I found now, which is amazing, if I am falling down, if I am falling down the ladder into shutdown or flight and fight, I have actually put your podcast on and just your voices, so Mercedes and I, just your voices bring me back up the ladder to slightly more safe and social. So powerful. Thank you, Ellie. Ellie, you're extremely welcome. And I I, I love how (laughs) that's a pretty unique feedback. I love um, just the little things that people get from this. And it's, I don't know, all the little feedbacks, comments, a a lot of them are so different and I never know what to expect good or bad usually it's good a lot of positivity a lot of love out there and i, I appreciate every single one of you thank you so ellie thank you um, i'm glad that our voices help bring you back up your polyvagal ladder thank you so much for listening i hope you've learned some new ways to connect with others or even with yourself bye